it's Wednesday, March 1st, 2017, and we are on chapter 28 of the Tao Te Ching. I'm going to return to the Dwight Goddard translation. He puts titles on his chapters, and the title that he uses for chapter 28 is Returning to Simplicity. Here it is. He who knows his manhood and understands his womanhood becomes useful like the valleys of earth, which bring water. Being like the valleys of earth, eternal vitality will not depart from him. He will come again to the nature of a little child. He who knows his innocence and recognizes his sin becomes a world's model. Being a world's model, infinite day will not fail. He will return to the absolute. He who knows the glory of his nature and recognizes also his limitations becomes useful like the world's valleys. Being like the world's valleys, eternal day will not fail him. He will revert to simplicity. Radiating simplicity, he will make of men vessels of usefulness. The wise man, then, will employ them as officials and chiefs. A great administration of such will harm no one. Okay. Find a comfortable position. We're going to finish today's sit with two minutes of mantra or chanting. If you're not already familiar with it, um, I explain it in... The previous Wednesday episode, which is Wednesday, February 15th. So you can listen to the beginning of that one for an explanation. So we'll sit for 10 minutes with two minutes of chanting at the end. Let's begin. Let your breath come from your belly. From deep within you. Become aware of what's in your groin and your hips too, if you're comfortable with that. Allow your breath to come from that root of your body.
As you do that, you might notice some fear. The stomach and the hips, the groin, the root are places where fear can sort of set up shop. And then we tend to ignore that fear by letting our awareness move higher, letting the breath come from the chest rather than the belly. When we do that, we suppress something that's in us. So now is the time to awaken what's deeper and just sit with it and keep our focus on the breath. Thoughts will come, they'll arise, just let them come and then let them go. And return to your breathing. a place where you can center yourself.
All right, we're going to begin the chanting now. If you're able to, you can join in with me. Here we go. Chanting like that, in my opinion, is a great way for some of us to, to come face to face with our shame. So chanting can be a good way to clear the mind. The act of chanting can be useful for that. And it can also be a way to bring up shame. Judgments about what we're doing seem stupid. Doing what? I'm sitting here going, uh... Oh, fuck, what if somebody sees me or hears me? God, how am I going to live that down? I don't have a good voice. All that sort of shit can very rapidly come up. And then we get to have an encounter with our shame in the controlled environment of sitting. Let's go back to Goddard's translation. And I'm also going to read from that anonymous translation that I've been reading from as well today because it's it looks really different from the Goddard translation and it evokes something that the Goddard translation I think doesn't okay here's what Dwight has to say here 
He who knows his manhood and understands his womanhood becomes useful like the valleys of earth. And then he has in parentheses, which bring water. Being like the valleys of earth, eternal vitality, and he has in parentheses, day, will not depart from him. He will come again to the nature of a little child. Yeah, a couple different concepts there. One is the feminine principle, receptivity. It's a state that's necessary before true action can arise. And the masculine energy that's within all of us is directed toward that action out in the world. So the feminine principle and the masculine energy are present in every one of us. So to be complete, to have true wisdom, we have to embody that state of receptivity before making decisions, taking action. What else? The nature of a little child, otherwise known as beginner's mind. It's that state of being in which we're not judging. We're not passing judgment on things. We're open. We're open and we see the mystery and the value and everything around us. We're curious, ready to learn. We haven't labeled everything yet. We're innocent. But you know, not innocent as in foolish. And in fact, the type of knowledge that is often valued by our culture can be seen itself as missing some great truth that innocence always stays aware of. Okay, continuing. He who knows his innocence and recognizes his sin becomes the world's model. Being a world's model, infinite day or vitality will not fail. He will return to the absolute. I'm not a huge fan of the word sin right here. It can be confusing for us, I think, when we have a background in Christianity or one of the other Judeo-Christian religions. So why don't we substitute shortcomings or weaknesses? He who knows his innocence and recognizes his shortcomings becomes the world's model. To be able to see your own weaknesses and accept them and still trust in yourself means that you can be a model for the world. And this is saying once you can do that, infinite day or vitality won't fail. And you'll return to the ultimate reality, the absolute the most real being, the most real state of yourself, and therefore the most real state of the universe. Okay, continuing. He who knows the glory of his nature and recognizes also his limitations becomes useful like the world's valleys. Being like the world's valleys, eternal day will not fail him. He will revert to simplicity. Let's keep going now. Radiating simplicity, he will make of men vessels of usefulness. The wise man, then, will employ them as officials and chiefs. A great administration of such will harm no one. Useful like the world's valleys, where all things ultimately gather, and which bring water to the world, huh? So if you can see how amazing you are and also what your limitations are, Eternal vitality won't fail you, and you'll revert to simplicity. But it's that informed simplicity, not the foolish kind. And in this final verse here, what it's saying is once you're able to do that, then you'll become a great statesman. You'll make of men vessels of usefulness. We have to remember that part of the Tao Te Ching was aimed at 
how to be a great prince. Sort of the opposite of Machiavelli, though. How to be a noble statesman. How to be a leader. Radiate simplicity, but not the foolish kind. Okay, I want to read from the anonymous version of this now, because, because it's so much different, and there are also some things about the ending that provide unique insights, I think. I'm going to read the whole thing. One who knows his strength and yet stays mild is the least. Whoever is the least is balanced like the open-minded child he once was. One who's fathomed the lie is an example for the world. One who became human again is an example for the world. One knowing oneself is a knowing among the ignorant. One who has returned to his original purity realizes his grandeur. One who has abandoned his origin becomes civilized. To the wise man, they act like actors. At last, little bit there, one who has abandoned his origin becomes civilized. To the wise man, they act like actors. Just last night, I watched a, a YouTube video. It was a talk of Terence McKenna's, who, if you're not already familiar with him, was just brilliant. And in this talk, what Terence says is that through the use of psychedelics, you can learn that culture is provisional. There are other ways that you can learn it, too. But it's probably the case that none of them are easy. Anyway, culture is provisional. It just exists for the present and is subject to modification in the future. The person who is civilized looks to someone who is wise as if he or she is acting. And in fact, they are. Realize your true nature. Return to that simplicity means that you have to let go of some of that cultural provision that is dictating how you live your life. It's not real. <laughs> Joseph Campbell was once asked in a lecture, I think, of his, whether or not he believed in God. And his response was great. He said, well, which one? There have been many, you know. To believe that the myth that we presently subscribe to is not provisional is to become lost in it. Can you see it for what it is and return to your origin? Can you today see some part of it as simply being an arrangement, an agreement that you don't necessarily have to subscribe to right now if you don't want to? Look at how quickly things can change. Attitudes about homosexuality, for instance. Attitudes about drug use. Whether or not we wear penis sheaths. That's a good one. How we cut our hair. What kind of clothes we wear. And what we believe in. To use a more technical term to describe it, it's all fucking bullshit, isn't it? Now, having said that, we need a myth. We live by myth. But let's recognize our culture for what it is when we're on the path so that we can see what its limitations are and see how it prevents us from being our original selves. So in the spirit of inquiry and curiosity, can you look around yourself today and see some aspect of the culture, which I haven't already mentioned, that's really a little weird, 
but it's an agreement by which everybody abides without thinking more or less. Anything that you might notice and without necessarily judging it, just get curious about it. You can notice the strange quality of it without judging it as good or bad. It can be fun to wake up to it in that way. So I hope you can have some fun with it. Thank you, my friend, for sitting with me today. Have a good day. Thank you.